0: oat milk. This seemingly innocuous product was recently the subject of an intense fight over branding, which resulted in a now infamous court case where corporate giant Oatly was defeated by a small British family business, Glebe Farm. But how did the pure Oatly brother-sister duo cope with the pressure of this high-profile court case? And what's next for their business and the wider alternative food sector? I'm Abby Kay, Head of News at Farmers Guardian, and I'm handing over to Jez Fredenberg to find out. Hello, everyone. This is Jess Fredenberg, and we are talking to Phil Rayner about his David and Goliath story that many of you will, I'm sure, have followed. Pure Oaty is a British-grown oat milk brand that Phil and his sister Rebecca established from their Cambridgeshire farm. But last year, it was taken to court by the world's biggest oat milk company, Oatly, with allegations that Pure Oaty's packaging and name was too similar to theirs. To give you an idea of size, when we're talking about David and Goliath here, Oatley's revenue in the first quarter of 2022 was 669 million US dollars. That might have put some people off fighting back, of course, but not Phil and Rebecca. And in a landmark case, all of Oatley's allegations were eventually thrown out by the judge.
1: So I'm Philip Rayner. Um, I'm owner of Glebe Farm Foods, uh, we're farmers down in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire, and we, uh, we make gluten-free oats, uh, so we supply an awful lot of gluten-free oats ingredients, and we also make pure oaty oat milk, which has been in the news recently.
0: Well, thanks for, thanks for coming on the Farmer's Garden Over the Farmgate podcast. Um, as we're recording this, a week ago you took over the billboards in Victoria Station, in London with some pretty, pretty gutsy ads, I'd say. Um, <laughs> if I just describe them for people, maybe they can go online and have a look. But it's uh, it's very simple. It's a, a picture of your, your latest branded pure oaty milk. And it simply just says, Oatly sued us, we won. Now help us pay off our lawyers. And the second one says, Oatly sued us, we won. Because you can't beat true British oat milk. It's, they're quite ballsy aren't they
1: <laughs> they they are yeah and then actually so so what when we were choosing what advert to put up there um that was the one that made us laugh so so in an essence that's what we we saw we thought oh yeah that's that's uh pushing out there and, and making a statement so um yeah that's quite a key part of, of getting an advert notice in the end you've got to you've got to you know, people got to look at it and think what's that all about and and <laughs> have a look into it so that that's so your reaction about laughing about it is exactly what we had when we saw it without yeah that's that's pushing it <laughs> so it's good
0: did, did you kind of think mm, not sure not sure if we could do this or or no let's just go for it kind of thing
1: yeah you have to you have to I mean it, 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 sort of over the time um Well, when you first start off, you do worry about whether that's going to be appropriate or or cause reactions. But actually, you've you've got to create a reaction in what you're doing. Um, uh, The message has got to be, I think we all know from social media, you can put up something quite amazing and yet people just still ignore it. You have to put something that just sort of captures their whatever they're doing and think oh what's that all about why is that a bit strange why is that sort of it it has to be it has to be controversial so we didn't really you do have you do have a slight concern but actually yeah want to go for it so yeah (laughs) it's quite simple
0: (laughs) no i I love it i love it and um i actually i'm just reading online here it says on uh, campaign live.co.uk a reaction from from oakley back at it It says nice job on the billboards we can't wait to open our uk factory next year where we'll be buying oats from british farmers (laughs) so i don't know the whole thing's quite funny really isn't it um Um, That's but, right. That was that was a
1: little a little uh, a little bit of a weird, sinister response. I thought it depends on how you read that, but yes, it was, it was but,
0: a little bit backhanded, wasn't it? A little
1: bit. But uh, they they do they do give back on that, which is which is always a second reward as well. So whenever you put something up, they always give some very slightly odd comment back. So so there's. But, <laughs> there's yeah
0: slightly so, yeah, passive aggressive still... kind of uh... you,
1: you might think that you might think that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. well you know tell us tell us a little bit about it I mean I'm sure I'm sure you've been asked you know about this whole case like a gazillion times by now but I do think it is interesting to just hear a little bit more from you about what it was like for you because it really is that whole David and Goliath story isn't it um and I mean, you know, from beginning to end, how long did the whole case take to resolve, you know, from when I guess you had the first letter perhaps, And how much mm-hmm. did it did it actually cost you? You know, you've, you've mentioned there on the billboard, help us pay back our
1: lawyers. Probably better start from where when we. Uh, so what we did is we originally uh, applied for a trademark, the trademark Pure OT. That was because it, we we grow pure oats, gluten free oats. Anyway, so, <laughs> I'll go into that detail if you want later. But the so we applied for the trademark. They then came back and asked and said, "Oh, we don't like that because it's got the word O T in it, and uh, we believe that's close to Oatley. So that sort of kicked that sort of sets off, and then they have something called a trademark tribunal, which we went. Your you know, and they, they they're also talking about uh, Oatly has a liquid L. We went that's. <laughs> so this is quite amusing so uh anyway so we just we kind of said no don't you absolutely got no nothing to do with it we're we're going to carry on anyway you know that there's no there's no strength to that and then they said well we'll go for the next thing which is to apply for an injunction so they said you've already been selling this stuff so we'll apply for an injunction so this was back in february 2020 and then the whole thing took about 20 months to go through which is probably quite 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 quick they can be anywhere from a year to 20 yeah well two years really depending on it COVID did slightly delay it but yeah so the first the first year is you get letters a bit of exchange letters or they do go very quickly into suing mode uh, within I think around a month actually they were straight in there uh, ramped it up without with not much discussion so you you get the choice do you want to fight it or do you not want to fight it at that time so that's the, uh, um, the big the big question at the time yeah, debating that decision whether I want to do it or not. is um, I, There are personal matters to do with it. A lot of brands, and I fully respect them, would say, actually, it's better just to repackage, accept that, you know, ask for some money maybe if you can to do that, cover the packaging costs. I think in the end, I decided I didn't want to back down, probably because of the letters they wrote, to be honest.
0: Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So we- the tone of them, you mean, or...?
1: The tone of them, yeah. So, similar to you just described some of the, some of their responses yeah. to adverts. Mm. That's what you get. So, you get mm-hmm. that sort of thing all the all the way through. We kind of knew how much it was going to cost when we started out. I think that was about a quarter of a million per side, and then it was actually more than that. It's probably in the several hundred thousand. But you don't really consider the lost time as well, you know. And you're also busy, so you're not developing your business quite as hard. So that there, there are big, there are big, um, yeah. It's it's it's. it's <laughs> It's an expensive thing to get into. The, the ad isn't about that, however. The ad's just about raising awareness of, of the whole thing and uh, and uh, promoting British food, really. So that's that's it's all it catches. It's an attention grabber.
0: Mm. It's the thing.
1: But they, these they, they're big games, and and this is how a big company will um, operate in in trademark and patents. They will go early and go for the throat and say, "Have you got enough money to fight this? Uh, otherwise, it's mine." So that is, that is the tactic. It is really. so.
0: Yeah and, yeah. and it's, yeah, no, no, absolutely. And I mean, it, it must've been all, I'm guessing it was really quite stressful and not, a, oh, yeah, yeah, not the yeah. best yeah. time. <laughs> <I
1: don't know. laughs> no, it, no, it is, it is quite stressful. I mean, it, it, it's, you ne- you're never, we thought we had a good case, but you're never certain at all. And things, things can go wrong uh, later on. So, so when you, so you start off with that, Initial decision: Am I going to do it, or am I not going to do it? And then the costs ramp up. Then you have a whole period of disclosure where they investigate all your emails and anything else you sent and how you went through it um, before. And then they have com- uh, you have you have to decide on how the trial is going to lay out. All the time, this is costing you lots of money every time you you have a conversation. Uh, and um, then uh, um, and it does take a lot of time up as well. You know, you you'll probably be speaking at least weekly with people for several hours um yeah so it, it it's a lot pretty stressful um uh, I think it'd be far more stressful if you're if you have a poor case yeah, mm, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's even stressful when you have a fairly strong one yeah so, no. so yeah but yeah and then all the, all the digging into all the detail and all the other stuff it's it's uh, it holds things up so you know did they achieve some what they wanted to do well a little bit yeah but they probably also achieved a big own goal as well
0: I, I think so, and I mean, just just looking online at the stories around it, I think it, you know, there's there's quite a lot online about about that and how, I suppose it's it's built it's built its sort of brand and reputation on the idea of being, you know, this ethical alternative and a slightly cozier kind of brand, I guess, and mm-hmm. um, I think this left a little bit of a sour taste in the mouth of a lot of a lot of consumers, didn't it? That's um, awesome. Yeah. And I, I guess, but I guess for you guys, and I mean, in a in a weird sort of way, although it sounds like horribly stressful and everything, your your name really got out there, didn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. It is pretty dark time when you go through these things. Um, even if, uh, and met, I've met quite a few other people who've gone through even the, it, the Glee Club, then Bentley Clothing, apparently. So there's all these quite. They really didn't get that kind of level, and these guys spent most of their lives battling big companies, really, and trying to, trying to hold it back. For us, it was a, a relatively small, only a couple of years, <laughs> lots of money. They, um, however, the support we got from the public was quite amazing. I mean, really, I mean, honestly, that was one of the biggest uplifting things. When we got the uh, uh, change or petition that uh, had 130-odd thousand uh, people support it. And it was really quite wide. I think one of the big things is there's quite a difference between and what we've seen on even the reports from that advert, there's quite a difference between British people's view of the sort of David and Goliath battle, and even Americans and Australians who we think are relatively similar. So you just you see quite a, quite a different viewpoint. So yeah. no matter what yeah. political orientation or other things, it is quite quite a um, we don't like being bullied in, in this country. I think that's quite quite a key as well. So so the support amazing that really made it uh, completely completely changed our whole view of it, I and mean, that was. That was amazing and that was set up by some people we didn't know them there's a guy who runs a little coffee stall in uh cambridge called i think he runs vg coffee vegan coffee or something like that, in, near the university library uh and another um lady out there called riad and they just said oh we'll get onto this and help these guys
0: fantastic but they didn't
1: even know each other either before that and it just, <laughs> just quite quiet we thought oh that's 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 nice and then yeah. the, the, the early stage I think able to do anything, and then it just went went absolutely massive. And you had farmers, you had I think you had environmentalists, you had vegans. You know, when do you get them in the same room at the same time? It's quite quite it's quite incredible.
0: That's amazing. So, well, I I think I mean you, you mentioned obviously some other companies there who you know didn't get so much support with this type of thing, and I mm. I I wonder whether part of the reason why it really caught like the public's interest was that actually. You're a farmer and there's something about the British public for all, for all the things that um, I think farmers feel sort of attacked over. There is something about a connection, I think, between British public and their food and farmers. Mm. And I wonder whether there's something there in that we just really like our, our food to be British, actually. And we know this from surveys, don't we? We really know that, that people th- r- really support that.
1: I definitely agree, actually. And I think there is there is a vast, if you like, untapped resource there that I think farmers don't realise how important they are. Obviously, most of the general public haven't got a clue what they do. And uh, there's no point even pretending that they do. even the food industry don't really know anything about farming at all. They do realise they depend on them. OK, it's not active in their mind every day uh and of course it's very easy to to get into a sort of whinge mode and you're saying it doesn't do enough for us but there, there is if you can present it in the right way it is very very positive for um and this is probably growing over the over the over the period of course but they don't necessarily think it when they're standing at the checkout uh but they do sort of think it on on the other times they would like to support british farmers somehow so that that's it's it's a key thing to uh and and it's one of our big messages to 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 press on that uh, really to, to um, get the get that yeah. message across that it's very important in in the area that yeah and and it is real people do if they' if their awareness is raised to it they will care yeah. in the end the other it it was quite important weirdly quite important in intellectual property as well it was one of the most important. Cases they said in 2021. Oh, really? And the only, and the only reason, yeah. So it was apparently, so, so friends who were IP lawyers said, "Oh, I've never got on there. I've been doing this for 25 years, mm. and there's a sort of hit list of the oh, of the top wow. influences in in that in that area." And it was because it showed the big companies couldn't do this and get away with it all the time. Mm. It would cause them injury if they carried on doing. Just thought that was going to be, I can just do this because I've got the money to do it. So it was mm. a, a might is not right not right uh, element to it
0: yeah and i think it shows some appetite doesn't it amongst the general public also for other players within the sector like this there's, there's something about brits we don't really like that whole huge kind of corporation having you know taking over the whole the whole lane as it were and um you know we kind of like a little bit of diversity in there and um, it is and yeah, yeah. For we other don't people
1: We just don't like aggressors, I think, is probably the British thing as well. Mm. So, there's there's one thing there. We we are promoting our main cause of sustainability. I do an awful lot in renewable energy over the last 10 years, trying to make sure that when we, and when we, this has come on for our food processing as well, loads of solar, loads of biomass that we have, which we now use in in our plants as well. So, we can even, I think we can actually this month hopefully make oats without any fossil fuel heat input at least and then we'll go for the electricity as well
0: well i think i think this this is definitely worth talking about a little bit because i mean there is that i think we we were talking about this before we started recording weren't we just Mm -hmm. i think i think there is um a sort of fear and trepidation and sometimes a bit of anger within um some sections of the farming community about um that I guess the alternative food wave let's say um mm-hmm. the, you know to less meat less dairy etc um more focus on plant-based foods all this type of thing and I think you've really shown there is an opportunity there it doesn't have to be something that is necessarily going to be um it's not necessarily negative in every way and w- whether that be for farmers who are or actually, in meat and dairy and who can, who can um, add value in other ways, you know, really, really make the the most of the more, um, I guess, environmentally friendly things that they're doing in their, in their marketing and things like that. What started you off thinking about this section of the market? Because there's still not that many farmers, I feel who have really done as much as you in terms of entering that alternative um, plant-based market
1: in the UK. It's not really a meteoric rise. Most most of the, most of the things you've been doing it an awful long time. Surfed a lot of waves and then finally hit one that uh, that worked. I think we started back in 2000, or my sister, sister Rebecca started in 2000 doing organic bread at farmers markets. And then from there, we then, okay, that doesn't work very well. You've got a lot of bread you're throwing away at the end of the market. And then you get to can we make something that has a longer shelf life? Then we ended up doing gluten-free because people asked us. Uh, There's just, just like seven or eight different things we tried over the period of time. Cider, mm. beer, breakfast, gluten-free. And then we started doing gluten-free bread mixes. That was good. You know, so we started getting into that very early on. So uh, very important to get into the market at an early stage, see what's, what's going on, and do it two years before everybody else has done so that then when you're there when the market's ready you're actually ready to produce something yeah. ready to make something and we're still producers that's probably from being farmers it was very important to then for the gluten doing gluten-free to move back to something we grow here we happen to have oats at the time growing so we'll make them into gluten-free oats we were already pretty experienced in the whole gluten-free business uh, and then that's we kind of set up the gluten-free oat industry so that so there's there, there was a there was a path through 10 years before and then we built bills and then we got to about two years three well, three four years ago we were a bit late on this <laughs> three four years ago we thought right we we'll want to make some oat milk as well because we we've been talking to a lot of uh, oat milk manufacturers in Italy and Spain and selling them ingredients as well so then we started right we'll do that ourselves and set up and take it on there is a massive journey for any, any farmers or any grower or whoever trying to get from farming to food manufacture where you have to completely change your attitude to customers. <laughs> really, it's quite it's quite a quite a change. Yeah, 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 and no matter if you're running a farm shop or whatever, it's still Still, a big change in, in uh, how you represent yourself and deal with customers. So, there's quite a few different things there. The meteoric rise doesn't really happen. We got into it by, uh, and then we did an enormous amount of ingredient supply, which we still do to very big, big, big customers as well. And then uh, then we've start, restarted doing brand. We used to do it at the beginning, and then we've come back.
0: What do you think you've learned from operating in this specific area of the market? Because it is quite, specific isn't it and but it is growing very rapidly so what what else do you think do you think there's anything different about trying to create a, a brand a food brand within this kind of I guess would you call it like the health food market it's like the alternative food market
1: it is quite different even for us it's it's, it's stepping into a, well, we're an area where marketing and making sure you get your message across what you're doing is very important to be at a uh, and making people listen is is a huge huge thing to do so as well and getting onto retail shelves. We, we're not just a the brand. There are lots and lots of brands out there that just do they are just marketing offices or maybe they handle the stuff, buy it from a packer and sell it to sell it to a supermarket. So it's we have slightly different looks because we do have machinery and equipment. To, we have to fill that up as well. So still you've got to get. You got to capture the imagination of the people are going to buy it as well. Mm-hmm. Find find who they are. They are young people, tending to be who wanna who are interested in in uh, sustainability. They're interested in the ethical position as well. So make sure they know what you're doing. Be able to communicate that with the right material, right adverts, right right presentations as well. get people to who can help you do this thing as well because in the end brand companies that's all they do they know exactly what they're up to so you have to be good at their game as well
0: Mm. as well
1: as making the stuff as well as growing the stuff
0: yeah (laughs)
1: so so you do have to be good at everything (laughs) or at least yeah at least fairly good at everything okay yeah
0: yeah. a lot lot of new skills to learn isn't it but um i guess
1: it is uh, yeah
0: what, what what do you think there is about british farming specifically that is a little bit untapped, perhaps, in entering this market? Or what do you think British, market, um, British sorry, farming has that it can really sell well in terms of what it does?
1: There's quite an interesting thing. So, so uh, I, th- I think the livestock industry... I mean, say, for instance, o- uh, Oatly R would go anti-milk, so they will set up a competitor against there. And um, the livestock industry, uh, dairy, whatever... So some will react against that and say oh well it's all that we we shouldn't do that it's just not going to happen well it is happening and the the thing they have to present is british farming is very co2 is we we actually care about environment and care about the other things it's not we're not we're trying not to you know despite <laughs> despite other influences from uh the government the the, we're trying to actually do the do the right thing and promote that so i think that needs to be put across properly and not just to become a commodity producer and think that we have to feed everybody but we have to feed everybody in the right way and show that we're doing that make sure that that message is heard properly that's the key bit dairy in britain low co2 in comparison with other places and and you know that has to be told really if they're gonna compete reasonably uh obviously oat milk's much lower but uh and we'll make it zero but it's still promote your promote your good side promote what you're doing give give that give that uh, message across yeah. um yeah i mean there are some some of our farmers were recently found to be net zero for because they had lots of extra grassland lots of woodland um so yeah get those things studied present your farm present your your business to be what it is And all the things that you do for that you know a lot of companies a lot of companies will claim we do wonderfully sustainable things and they'll put about five acres in of whatever of mixes we put in 150 acres so so the the scale of what you do in farming to the environment is much more important than people will shout about on a on a marketing ad or whatever or tv ad and you think hang on it's all about the real reality of doing it why aren't we communicating what we're doing
0: that's a really interesting point actually i never really thought about that when a big brand that isn't a farm tries to say oh we're you know we're planting x number of trees or whatever it is Mm. then it's not the same as uh that like you say it's not necessarily the same scale at all that a a small farmer can achieve it's it's
1: well well actually i think the strange thing is farmers achieve far more than that Mm. but they would claim that, oh yes we put in 20 acres of trees well a lot of farmers have got 20 acre trees that they they manage mm. most farmers have so actually persuading people that we're not here to that we are here there's that we obviously have to balance the 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 um position of feeding everybody um and also but that seems to be the sort of post Post-war ethic or post-war viewpoint. We're just here to feed people, but also to, to do the environment, and we are doing it already, despite all the challenges that are thrown up against us. There is a, there's a lot of a lot of soft work you kind of have to do without, which is the instant results on it, and it builds it over years. That can that's how forming a brand is is really to set up. It's not an instant win. It takes a lot of hard work. It's like building a ten year project. If you look at the biggest brands in the world like Coca Cola. The reason is they've been doing massive amounts of marketing for 100 years yeah and even and even wheat it's been a three generational thing to get to their position to, to make that work not just overnight mm. it took a long a lot of, a long hard yeah long hard slog i think i think bill bailey said yeah it's not a meteoric rise it took 15 years to get to this meteoric yeah. rise <laughs> so, so yeah
0: so any any last i guess top tips for farmers listening to this who might be thinking well, i'd love to to start an alternative food brand, but I don't know where to start. What would be your absolute like, you know, first things to do, Phil?
1: First thing is do something new. Don't try and compete with other people because you have to be really good and have lots of money. If you're going to, if you're going to go in to an existing market, you're going to have to make hard choices about pricing, make hard choices about money marketing and advertising it, which may not be your forte for, for doing it so if you start with a new a new product something so ideally have yeah, have something unique is absolutely essential it's not a commodity don't make it commodity and start local you know one of the unique things is you can start within the local area and uh you're unique in that area so that that is that's a key area to do that so never to forget that never to go for national straight away you can you can make certainly good progress doing there you've got to make contacts understand what you're doing understand the market don't just go in low pricing because you then got another battle so it, it's about making things special that's the key key element then you can shout about it then you can make a brand that you can build from there you've got every, all the tools that most marketing companies don't have they just have to make something up whereas if you're a farmer you have this extra thing there and not forget that either
0: that's it for this week's Over the farm Gate if you enjoyed this episode please do rate and review it on your preferred platform so we can help attract new listeners and don't forget to pick up a copy of this week's Farmers Guardian where you can read about how ministers are considering introducing a target for domestic food production and why concerns are growing about UK farming's vulnerability to cyber attacks. Until
1: next week, from us at FG, thank you for listening.